Turn to John, the 14th chapter. John, the 14th chapter. We've been doing a series on the Holy Spirit. I, I call it um, my sevenfold friend. Say, the Holy Spirit is my sevenfold friend. Amen. And you know, Jesus, before, and we've been talking about how the Holy Spirit is a real person. He's not an it. You know, even though Romans 8 translates, you know, the Spirit itself, but it's himself. He is the third person of the Godhead. I wanted to go through the Old Testament and show you some of his presence there. He's actually in Genesis 1, uh, in the very beginning. But anyway, um, uh, Jesus knew that we would need help. And so he told the disciples, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. When I leave, I want you to know that there's coming another comforter. I'm sending him. And I'm going to send him to help you. Say, I have help from above. So God sent his spirit into our hearts. And I know a lot of times, you know, whether it is uh, doctrinally, you know, we're trying to figure out doctrinally what's sound. But the moment you get born again, it's the spirit of God that comes inside of you, just like it came in Adam. When, when God breathed into Adam the breath of life, it was the Holy Ghost that was breathed into his life. Do you understand that? It was God's, the fullness of God, the person God was flooded his life, and that's how he remained that way until he transgressed, of course, and uh, found himself in the dark spiritually. And so when you get born again, the Spirit of God is in you. Now, I know we have this. Uh, we teach also in a thing called the baptism of the Holy Ghost where you receive a prayer language, and it's per, that prayer language is for you personally so that you can build yourself up inwardly so that you can stand when the assaults of life come against you, and they will whether you're saved or not, but how many are glad you're saved tonight so that with the things that you deal with, you, can, you have help in facing those things. And in the John, John the, the 14th chapter, this is verse 15 of the Amplified. Jesus said this, now if you really love me, he was addressing his disciples, you will keep or obey my commands. How many believe that's important to obey God's word? And then he goes on and says, and I, the second person of the Godhead, will ask the Father, the person, first person of the Godhead, and he will give you another comforter, the third person of the Godhead. So we see all three involved in God's plans and purposes, okay? And the Bible says he is, I'm going to send you another parakletos. That's the word, if you were to talk in, in Hebrew, he would have said, I'm going to send you a, another parakletos. That is, that's, the, that's the word. And that parakletos has a sevenfold uh, meaning, which the Amplified talks about. He goes, he's going to be your comforter. He's going to be your counselor. He's going to be your helper, your intercessor, your advocate, your strengthener, and your standby. Well, Mike, just think about those words. Would you agree that that, def that, that definition right there just makes you complete uh, that you don't lack anything when it comes to what you need in your life to live as a believer. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's he clothed you with a parakletos, another comforter. And when I think about that, that's what Jesus was to them. Three and a half years of ministry as they followed him, they didn't worry about anything. I mean, they, they tried to drive Jesus off a cliff. You know, I mean, they couldn't even, they, demons, I mean, death, nothing could penetrate or hold anything against Jesus. And how would you agree? You can be pretty confident when you're hanging around somebody like that. That's why Peter spoke like he did. Peter's, Peter said, hey, so, hey, everybody may deny you, but I never will. Because he was so confident. But 
But, but Jesus, Jesus knew the warfare. Jesus knew that Peter wasn't born again. Jesus knew that Peter didn't have the spirit like Jesus did. And so he, and of course, Peter thought that, you know, Jesus was going to draw out the sword and, you know, and kill a few Roman uh, people and establish a natural kingdom. But that's not what he came for. He came to establish an eternal kingdom for you and I. Give God praise for that. Hallelujah. So he said this, the, the third person, he says, I'm going to send him to you that he may be with you forever. Not just on this side of eternity, but forever. Isn't that beautiful? We don't have the full picture of what's going to go on after this. But I do know God has plans and purposes that are beyond what we understand. And if we're going to rule and reign with Christ, we've got to rule and reign over something. And it's, if it's other, over other planets, over other beings, over other galaxies, whatever it is, praise God, it's going to be a great trip. And it's going to be foreverlasting. It's going to be throughout eternity. We are not going to heaven and float on a cloud. You know how boring that would be after a while? They, the Bible, um, somebody said once, and I, I don't know, I can't really prove it with Scripture, but I like what he said. He said every time God's throne goes around, they see something new about God, and that's why they go, holy, holy, holy. They're blown away. <laughs> okay. Go on. That he may remain with you, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, welcome, take to heart, take it to its heart, because it does not see him or recognize or know him. But you know and recognize him, for he lives with you constantly, and I put this in parentheses, through me. He was saying, now the spirit of God, you know him, because everything that I'm doing, it's him in me. And again, I emphasize it because it's important for you to understand that Jesus never, he never did one miracle apart from the power and assistance of the Holy Spirit. He couldn't because you're 100% man. See, that's why the Lord, when he was tempted in, the, in Luke, the fourth chapter, he says, now you haven't eaten for 40 days. Why don't you just go ahead and turn these stones into bread and make yourself something to eat? How many believe that Jesus could have done that as God? But see, he set that aside to become like us and just completely yielded his will to the Holy Spirit. Even though he hadn't eaten for 40 days, he, 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 he was hungering more after the will of God than, than after his natural appetite. So, but you, so, but, and he's with you and he will be in you. Amen. In, of course, he would be in us after the resurrection and after our salvation. John 16, verse 13. Now, here Jesus, and this is the message translation because I just read, I just picked up part of it. But it says, verse 13, it says, when the friend comes, the spirit of truth, he will take you by the hand and guide you into all the truth there is. Again, I've repeated this so many times. Maybe you get tired of hearing it. But if you will stay humble before the Lord, if you will stay humble before the Lord and you study the Bible in context, you will never get into error because the spirit of God won't allow you to get into error. Now, that should bring comfort to us. Now, I know there's people out there that do teach error, and so that you have to be very wise in who you listen to because there's a lot of stuff out there. I'm not saying I know all the truth. I, don't, I probably own just a, 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 know just a, a, a part of it. But one thing I've learned through the years, because I will stand before God and give an account for your lives, I, I, don't, I can't afford, I, even with everything. I don't care what message you preach, you know, whether, you know, uh, uh, 
uh, victory, overcoming, prosperity. I want to preach the whole counsel of God. I don't want to preach something so far off and try to give you something that's not realistic or not biblically sound. Just won't do it. So praise the Lord. Stay humble before the Lord and study the Bible in context and you'll be okay because the spirit of truth will keep you on course. Everybody look up and say, thank you, Lord. He goes on and says, the spirit of truth will take you by the hand and guide you into all the truth. He won't draw attention to himself, but will make sense out of what is about to happen. And indeed, out of all that I have done and said, he will honor me, he will take from me and deliver it to you. The Amplified says, I love this, he, the Holy Spirit, will take of, receive, draw upon what is mine and reveal it, declare it, disclose it, and transmit it to you. Isn't that beautiful? You'll transmit it to you. Isn't that beautiful? I just love the, the, the assurance that we have of staying on course biblically. Now, we shared last week about David and 2 Samuel, how that there was a crisis in his life. He came to a point where the Philistines were, were rising up to attack him and take him out. And so he prays. Say he prayed. So he prays. He doesn't go and seek the counsel of his military leadership. He actually gets alone and prays to God. And God begins to speak to him. Now, again, not to be technical, but any time in the Old Testament where God spoke to somebody, he spoke to them by the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he gave him a very sound guideline of what to do. David received that, went and did exactly what God said, and he experienced something called Baal Perazim. He experienced the Lord of the Breakthrough. Isn't that awesome? The Lord of the Breakthrough. And then we find out that he goes back. Now, oh, so the Philistines, they rise up back and come back again to attack him. So he prays again. God gives him another strategy, not the same one. Because if, if he would have just assumed it would be like before, he'd have gotten in trouble. He would have lost, he'd have been, he'd have lost some men. Uh, he would have been in trouble uh, as leadership. But he went before God again, sought the heart of God. God again gave him counsel by the leading of the Spirit, told him exactly what to do. He did it, got the victory. How many want that in your life? That when you're dealing with crisis situations, you don't have to lean. The Bible says in Jeremiah 5, verse... Uh, no, Jeremiah 17, verse 5, it says that if you trust in the arm of the flesh, you're going to end up being cursed. But if you trust in the arm of God, he'll make sure that you get the victory and he gets the glory. Amen. So, anyway, so the Holy Spirit responded and gave him the strategy. Now, turn to 1 Kings 19. We're going to be, we're reading a little, a story here about Elijah. Because I want to talk a little bit and address this precious voice of the Holy Spirit. And I believe with all my heart, kids, listen, I believe with all my heart, the Holy Spirit is constantly wanting to say things to us, but we haven't positioned ourselves to hear. And I can't imagine, it's okay. It's like raising your children and you tell your child something. And, and, and they, they don't listen. Would you just listen to me? Because if you listen and obey, you'll avoid the pain that I experienced by not listening. <laughs> okay, just me. Listen to me. If you listen and do what I say, you'll avoid a lot of heartache in your life. So the Holy Spirit is constantly speaking. I believe he is. So in this case, let's read this story. Ahab told Jezebel... All that Elijah had done, 
how he had executed all the prophets with a sword. Remember, he called down fire from heaven and consumed the offering, which is really glorious. And then, um, you know, again, we've talked about this, and I, I honestly, personally don't believe that it was God's will that he killed those prophets. And the only reason is they fell down and bowed before the God and said, he is the Lord God, he is Lord God, he is Lord God. And he goes and kills them. Okay, I got quiet here. But there's nothing wrong with me thinking that. How many believe God's a good God? Amen. So here they, they're ready to convert to Judaism, and he kills them all. And so Jezebel, she's, she's ticked. You get a woman mad at you, oofta. Let's go on. Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah and said, Let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw, very interesting how I looked up different translations. Y'all say the same thing. He saw. What do you mean he saw? He heard. What did he see? He imagined her coming after him and killing him without mercy like he killed those prophets. So, man, he... He freaks. So the Bible says when he saw, he arose and he ran for his life, went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat under a broom tree, it says in the New King James. And he prayed. Say he prayed. Well, he sure didn't pray the will of God. He prayed that he might die. Yeah. There's probably more to that truth than you think of people praying that they die. Because sometimes you face crisis situations where you're not sure you want to go on. So he prayed that he would die. And said, it's enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said, arise and eat. Then he looked around, he looked, and there by his head was a cake. This is the first evidence of angel food cake. <laughs> and I love angel food cake. <laughs> Baked on, a, on, on coals in a jar of water. So he ate and drank, and they laid down again. He laid down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat. Now watch this, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights. Is that amazing or what? You talk about supernatural sustenance. I think it was, who wrote David's, I tasted your word and it was sweet or something like that. I mean, it's just psalms like that. I mean, you're not like the word of God to strengthen you. I mean, you're not going to overcome a crisis in your life by going to McDonald's and eating a Big Mac. But if you get in the word of God, God gives you something from his word. It will sustain you till you got to get through what you got to get through. Amen. So he went as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, what are you doing here, Elijah? When I read that, I simply, uh, I thought, well, that implies he wasn't in the designated place God called him to be. So what are you doing here? He had stopped. He got, he got so full of fear, he had stopped listening to the Spirit of God who had been equipping him and leading him up to that moment when Jezebel gave him a death sentence. So what are you doing here? 
Let's go on. Well, he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken uh, your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. Didn't he just do that? Now, you can see the spiritual devastation of the nation of Israel. They're worshiping idols. They've torn down the altars of God. They're worshiping all the gods of the people around them. So they were also in a state of spiritual ruin, bankruptcy. So he goes, he says, uh, and I am left alone, and they seek to take, to take my life. Then he said, God said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and the Bible says, a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. Now, that's a strong wind. Now, we've seen some strong winds, but not like that. Bust up the rocks. But the Bible says, the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it's amazing, whether it's a massive fire, whether it's an earthquake, or whether it's a wind, isn't it true that our senses automatically are drawn to that? All the stuff going out, all the stuff being propagated, all of the things going on in the world, the winds and the fire and the shakings, all that's going on. And God says, hey, I'm trying to talk to you. Would you please stop and listen? A still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in the mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him and says, what are you doing, Elijah? <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing, Elijah? Then the Lord said to him, go and return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. And also anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. Now watch this. And Elisha, the son of Japhat, Elisha, remember Elisha? Elisha wanted the anointing of Elijah. Not for himself, he simply had such a passion to fulfill the will of God, he asked for a double portion. Remember that story? He, Elisha asked for a double portion of Elijah's anointing, and actually, not only did he get it, the Bible proves that he had doubled the miracles that Elijah had. But listen to this. And Elisha, the son of J, uh, Japhat, of uh, Abel Mahola, you shall anoint as prophet, watch this, in your place. That was the end of Elijah's ministry. When I said that, I wrote this down. Is it possible that Elijah got so caught up with listening to the voices of his culture that they, those voices, created within his soul a spirit of cowardice instead of godly courage, a spirit of fear instead of a spirit of faith? And that's what shortened his prophetic ministry. Because from that point on, right there, his ministry ended. Now we know that obviously God was pleased with his ministry, because God sent a chariot to pick him up. Isn't that beautiful? So we know he must have pleased God 
but he's, his ministry still fell short of what it could have been if he would have not got distracted by the fears of the voices of, this, of his, the culture around him. And listen, how many believe it's important that we prepare ourselves to hear what the Spirit is saying? The voices of our culture. I mean, you've got the winds of ec- economic shaking. You've got social you got social justice that's so twisted and perverted. You got, you got uh, economic shakings going on. You political shakings going on. And it, none of it matters. None of it matters. None of it stands between you and the will of God unless you allow it to. Because I believe the voice of the Spirit is constantly trying to get our attention, and we're not listening. And I've shared this with you, you know, because it's really, it really is true, you know. Uh, uh, when I share these things, I, I share them because they're true, not because I'm trying to tell you that I can hear from God and nobody else can because it, it is a humbling thing to hear from God. But when you hear the voice of God, it's for a reason, because he's trying to get your attention to help, your life, to help better your life. I mean, literally the first time I told you this, the first time I heard from God, I was just a young Christian. I was getting stoned every night, thinking I could witness to my friends and driving on the road, Benson Road. I was just down Benson Road a couple days ago. We went to Montevideo on Monday. Uh, Vicky had a meeting with some ladies recording their 50th uh, class reunion coming up. And, and so we, I went up there. So I was driving around trying to, you know, see some people that I've known through the years, you know. And I just love talking to people. And... Um, Driving on that road, thought about us, driving down the road in my 68 Camaro, driving her, right? I know exactly where I was, and the Spirit of God says, I said, Lord, how come my friends won't listen to me? They won't listen to me at all regarding, you know, my, my, my faith, regarding my love for you. He's, and then he spoke back to me. He says, you know why? Because you're just like them. And I heard it as clear as I'm talking to you. Now, you've heard me share that, but that is a true story. But what if I wouldn't have been listening? God knew the sincerity of my heart. He knew that I loved him. He knew that I, I, I wanted to be the one who made an impact on these men who, I, I mean, I loved these guys. They were my friends. But I could not do anything in their lives because they weren't ready to receive. And not, not only were they not ready, they couldn't see anything in me because I was just like them. So God is trying to get our attention. And I don't know what some of you are facing right now today, tonight in your life, but I believe if you'll get alone in prayer, you'll do some fasting, that God will speak to you and give you clearly the direction that you need for your life. Because God is for you. He's not against you. He's not holding you back saying, well, just suffer a little bit longer and maybe I'll talk to you. John 10. We'll close with this. We've got to wind down here. John 10. The kids have Christmas practice tonight, and y'all that are involved, thank you for being involved. John 10, verse 1. Now, again, this is the Message Bible, but I I just wanted to read some of it to you, okay? Now, he's talking to his disciples. Here's what he says. Now, let me set this before you as plainly as I can. If a person climbs over or through the fence of a sheep pen instead of going through the gate, you know he's up to no good. He's a sheep rustler. Now, the shepherd walks right up to the gate 
The gatekeeper opens the gate to him, to him who? The shepherd. And the sheep recognize the shepherd's voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he gets them all out, he leads them and they follow because they are familiar with his voice. There's many in here tonight that have been with us for many years. You're familiar with the voice of your shepherd. He goes on and says, they won't follow a stranger's voice, but will scatter because they aren't used to the sound of it. Then Jesus told this simple story, but they had no idea what he was talking about, so he tried again. Now, let me be explicit. I am the gate for the sheep. All those others are up to no good. They're sheep stealers, every one of them. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Anyone who goes through, the, through me will be cared for, will freely go in and out and find pasture. Now, a thief is only there to steal, to kill, and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Everybody say hallelujah. Now, I've, I've, I've said this through the years, but not lately. Now, when we quote that scripture in John 10, 10, the thief comes but not for his... He's not talking about the devil. He's talking about, he's talking about wolves. He's talking about people that come to your church, but they have a wrong motive. That's what he's talking about there. Now, wolves, I wrote this down, are always dressed in sheep's clothing. Always. They look like a sheep. They smell like a sheep. They even talk like a sheep. But they're wolves. Inside, things aren't right. Inside. Okay? And they're deceitful, and they have an agenda. They enter churches to separate believers from the shepherd, the weak from the strong, and they'll devour anyone for their own obsessive appetite. Attention. They want the attention on themselves. Surely these are the most dangerous voices within God's house. Now, because we have a, a moment, and I'm almost done here. Turn to Acts. I wasn't going to read this, but Acts 20, if you want to find it up there, you can, Crystal. Acts 20. And just read this. I haven't, ta- I haven't preached on this for years. I haven't preached on this, I mean, for many years. I, I, don't, I don't think I've preached on this for 20 years. Because we, uh, but once in a while, we just need to be reminded, you know, and I've joked a little bit. I said, wouldn't it be wonderful for wolves saying, hallelujah, hallelujah. It'd be easier to identify him. And just let me comfort you tonight. There's no wolves in this house tonight. The only way there can be a wolf in the house tonight is if you chose to become one. But you're not. Amen. Turn to Sam and say, thank God you're not a wolf. Especially as close as you're sitting to me. <laughs> but look at this. Verse 28. <laughs> Take heed, that is the warning. Now this is Paul. This is, this is Paul writing. He says, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God whom he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. For I know this, okay, keep going, also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking 
perverse. It doesn't mean like corrupt. It doesn't mean like uh, dirty jokes. They're, they're going to twist. They're going to twist what is being taught for their own personal agenda. They're going to twist it, okay? That's why I have to be so careful about what I teach because I don't want to teach something that's twisted. I want to teach the full gospel as best I can in the fullness that I understand. Amen. Also of yourselves. And this is why. Do you remember, what, do you remember when Jesus said to the disciples, now one of you hath the devil? Well, that's wonderful. <laughs> and, and then they, they're all asking, well, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? You know? But I don't believe Judas said it was, I don't believe Judas said, is it me? I believe Judas knew it was him. Also, of your own self shall men arise, speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. So Paul knew that there's going to be people out there. You know, they had Judy. Uh, they had um, Judy. I was just trying to say, okay, you can be saved, but you have to keep the whole law. Then they had the Sadducees who didn't believe the resurrection. Then the Pharisees who didn't believe that the king had come. So, I mean, all this stuff is going on, and he's so concerned. I, I don't blame him. I mean, come on, guys. Hey, hey, guys, they didn't have all what we have. I mean, they got to take this stuff by faith. Oh, they got, the, you know, they got these letters, you know, written by a jailbird, you know, and, and I mean, I mean, we got, we got to follow this guy? It wasn't, it wasn't easy. And so he's concerned. Remember he said in the book of Currents how, you know, he, all the abuse he went through, all the beatings, all the shipwrecks, all the, all the stuff he went through. Then also, to add to that, the cares of all the churches. So he really loved the church. He had a passion for the body of Christ. Yet he was concerned. He said, I'm, I'm, when I leave here, wolves are going to come in. And they have an agenda, but it's, it's not an agenda to build the church. It's not an agenda to become part of something that adds strength and value to the church. Amen. And why do I tell you this? Because you need to be wise. You can't just afford in your life to just hang around anybody. You can't afford that. You can't, you, I'm serious. You can't afford... Uh, uh, listen... First of all, you can find, just about pretty easy, find somebody in this city who doesn't like us. It's just the, after 38 years, it's just the way it is. A lot of people have come through Faith Family Church. And, uh, but that's true with any church. That's just not ours. But I'm just simply saying, you get around people that start, you know, just baiting you, then just, just be careful because the very time you think you can't fall, you end up falling. Because everyone I see here tonight is supposed to be here. This is where God called you. So you can find anybody, you know, to talk about something. But I do my best, both my wife and I do our best to stay very humble and broken before the Lord and, and very submissive and subservient because we have to give a double account of what we're doing here tonight. So be careful, be wise. In John's seven letters, this is my closing. In John's letters to the seven churches in Revelation, God kept repeating, he that hath an ear, 
or he that is inwardly, inwardly sensitive to the voice of the Spirit, hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying unto the churches. Well, so what was the Spirit of the Holy Ghost saying to these churches? So he says, well, some of you have lost your first love. Some of you have been compromising your moral virtues. Some of you are convinced that your financial success and having need of nothing is, is your security. And yet it says in Revelation 3.17, you're nothing but wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And they thought they had it. And he's writing to the people in the church. So obviously some had lost their first love, some were moral compromising, and some were very successful, but at the same time the success had got a hold of them to where they really thought they had it. I remember years ago, I don't want to say somebody, one of my relatives, years ago they were, they were very successful in business. And, uh, and he said to me, any born again spirit filled, he said, I don't, you know, he said, Mike, I don't need, I don't need that church stuff, he said, we're doing great, making a lot of money, all as well. And they lost everything. But the moment that came out of his mouth, I knew they would. I knew they would. It wasn't a tither, didn't serve in the church, didn't value the body of Christ, and they lost it all. And so, I want to be secure in every area. And, of course, that security is found in listening to the voice of the Spirit. Can I have an amen? Revelation 2.5, remember the height from which you have fallen Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come and move, remove your lampstand from its place. So these three things. How do we hear the voice of God? There's three ways. Write them down. So how do I hear the voice of God? Three ways. Now there may be more. I just thought of these three. You hear the voice of God through the written word of God. When you open your Bible... I don't know if this happened to you. It honestly happened to me when I was first saved. I just opened my Bible and exactly what I needed was there. I thought, this is good. God treats you different when you're a baby. But your answers are mostly in the Word of God. Number two, you receive direction from the Spirit through prayer. As you're praying, God will speak to you, give you an unction. Maybe give you something that you've been reading from the scriptures. And number three, it'll come through the prophetic, the prophetic anointing. On the other hand, we have to be careful for that. I mean, none of you do this here, and I'm grateful. None of you are chased from church to church trying to get a word from God. And I, I'm proud of you for that. But, but, but every one of you should be believing for the prophetic office to be in operation every Sunday. I mean that, or on Wednesday nights. And then ask the Lord to use you. You qualify. You qualify for the seven, for, for the nine gifts of the Spirit. You, you qualify for those. But, you, but, but I know it says the Spirit wills, but your will is involved in that also. Amen. Look up and say, Lord, use me in the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. And again, when he does, be humble about it because when he uses any of us, it should humble us, not make us arrogant. And so... The third is prophetic. But when it's prophetic, it should already be something that God's been dealing with you with. Randy, I believe, I'm going to prophesy to you that I believe you should go to Africa and start a, 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 and he's going, I've never gotten that, Pastor. I've never ever thought about that. Well, then, you know, then shelf it. You know what I'm saying? Amen. And then I prophesied to Nat 
that I believe you're supposed to give me a million dollars. <laughs> well, he's already got the whip. <laughs> what are you say? <laughs> give you a million first? <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But it's very important because it's real. There's a prophetic, there, the, there's, there's the gift of the word of wisdom, the gift of the word of knowledge. Those are very important. Because sometimes you're struggling, you really are trying to get direction from God, and then you're in a church service and God prophesies something to you that you've been struggling with and you've wanted direction, and then it comes and you go, oh, that is awesome. But then, you, but then from there on, don't expect every time you go to somewhere you're going to get a word. Because your word mostly will come through right here. Amen. Let's stand and we'll pray together. And we'll receive the offering. Amen. And thank you. Thank you, Father. Why don't you go ahead, just close your eyes, lift your hands, begin to thank the Lord for the word that was shared tonight for you. Amen. Just begin to thank him. Thank him tonight. I mean this. Thank him tonight right now. Just thank him that, that he's given us a voice of the Holy Spirit. He's, that you have a person inside of you that wants to talk with you. Give him praise for that. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. All right, put your hands down for a moment. How many here tonight, you're saying, Pastor, I am here tonight, and I'm believing some of you men are going to get some things from God this weekend. I really do. But right now, how many here tonight say, Pastor, pray for me because I am really needing some direction from God. Right now in my life, I need some direction from God. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I really appreciate that, okay? All right. Let's everybody lift their hands. Let me pray over you. Father, in the name, just begin to thank him for it right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these men and women that are right now in a place in their lives where they need your direction. And Holy Spirit, I give you so much praise that you live on the inside of us. Go ahead and give God praise for that. And that, that you are our teacher. You are, you are the one who speaks truth into our hearts. And Lord, I praise you. It's the spirit of truth. Give him praise for that. So Lord, I'm asking you right now in the coming hours and days that God, a word, either from your scriptures, Father, a word, God of heaven, uh, through prayer or a word prophetically will be given to them. So, Father, they will know in the coming days. They'll know exactly what to do because you'll make it so clear to them. Come on, everybody. Give him praise for that. Look up and give him praise. Let's thank him right now. You've got a greater one living inside of you. And, Father, I'm expecting it. And, Father, I receive it by faith for each and every one of them. And, Father, thank you for blessing everyone that's come tonight. In Jesus' precious name, now give God a good shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. I fully expect it to happen.